Welcome to the Christian Foundry Podcast, where iron sharpens iron for the glory of God, the exaltation of Christ, and the edification of the saints. That's how you do it right there. That's how you do it. Is that how you do it? That's great. That's right. how you do it. Well, we want to win. <laughs> Three, two, two one. one. Well, welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Christian Foundry Podcast. We are going to be talking about a topic that is really going to be kind of controversial, depending on your view or thought of what this, uh, what you think about this topic. Now, we at the time of this recording, let me say this, because this could come out three weeks later from the time we record this. But from the time of this recording, we have just finished up the celebration of America's independence with fireworks and and uh, all Lee sorts Greenwood. of Lee Greenwood, proud to be in America. <laughs> Everybody's standing up all over America. Uh, a lot of people shooting guns to celebrate the July 4th Independence Day. Not as many, because ammo's kind of expensive. That is true. Uh, is it back in stock yet? Yeah, plenty of stock. Oh, they got it in stock, stock okay. just because nobody can buy it. That shows you how much I've gone shooting lately. I need to go rip some rounds. Uh, but we're just coming off this Independence Day, July 4th, and there's been a lot of celebrations. There's just a lot of festivals that are usually associated with times like this, these patriotic times. And something that I've noticed over the past couple days, uh, week or so, is that these festivities and these things have trickled over into churches. Yeah. So uh, you may have seen the uh, title of our episode here. Uh, politics in the pulpit. So with this, I've seen many churches online after the fact, right? I've gone back and, and kind of watched different churches. Their sanctuaries are decked out in American flags. They, uh, they open up with the Star Spangled Banner or the Pledge of Allegiance, and they sing. Um, what are some of the patriotic songs we used to sing in school? Uh, this land is my land. This land is your land, or whatever. They're singing songs like that. And then the sermon is very patriotic. It's all about country. It's all about politics. It's all about all sorts of things. So one of the questions that I want to try to talk about and answer here is your guys' opinion of that first, but ultimately, does politics have a place in the pulpit? So let's do a, a short answer first. Uh, Mason, you're to my right. And also, you may notice that we're really light today, so there's only three of us. Uh, during the summer, it's really – well, actually, there's four or five. <laughs> if you want to count these two here um, that we put together to make us feel more like uh, P-Paul and, and Justin are here, they're not. Today. We're doing an advertisement for the store. Yeah. It, the store, you can get some merchandise. Little, I got to show shirts. off my shirt, too, real quick. You got a Biggie Cheese shirt. Yeah, there it is right there. Biggie Cheese. Where's the camera? There it is. And yeah. Biggie Cheese is Mason Stokes. Um, also, we are promoting health because Ryan Ivey has battled some health issues, um, some sicknesses lately. Uh, we are praying for, for Ryan. We love him. We miss him dearly here. And uh, we put some Lysol and Germex there. And, Read your Bible and wash <laughs> your hands. We put a Bible, a football, and uh, the Germex stuff. So uh, that, that saying, uh, wash your hands and say your prayers because Jesus and germs are everywhere. That's <laughs> uh, kind of embodied right here on this episode. Uh, but uh, there are only three of us here in the room, and Joe is spending some time with his family, which is, we always promote that. Uh, but Mason and, and Matt are here. I feel like my name should start with an M. I don't know. Uh, but it, my middle name's Wayne. That's kind of an upside-down M, right? Nowhere close, big guy. Okay. I well, thought that's how you're getting into that SpongeBob thing where it was Mumbo and Wumbo. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a SpongeBob guy. I was probably. a little past that. Yeah, it's past my Excuse time. Excuse me for being young. <laughs> Ninja Turtles, man. Come on. Ninja Turtles and G.I. Joe and Transformers. G.I. Joe, there you go. Uh, so, Mason, short answer yes or no? Does politics have any place in the pulpit? Yes. Matt? Yes. Yes. So, we've got two yeses. I guess I'm going to have to be the one that says yes as well. <laughs> y'all thought I like I was how gonna, you did that. Y'all thought I was going to say no. Uh, I do believe, as well as it seems like you guys do, that there is uh, politics has a place in the pulpit. But now the next question, how much of a place does it have in the pulpit? It shouldn't consume a whole week. 
Like it does in most churches. Like a whole Sunday. Now, I will say this. A lot of churches have done the whole political freedom thing maybe once or twice a year. Um, but there are a lot of churches that bring a lot of politics into the pulpit every single Sunday. Now, what do you think about that? I think if it can go along with the sermon, it should be in there. Because there are some places in the Bible that point to unjust rulers. There are right. places in the Bible where it talks about evil, wicked rulers in place. I mean, John Calvin said it best. When God wants to judge a nation, he gives them wicked rulers. So I think ultimately we have to connect certain things with the times we're in in the Bible. Not necessarily make the Bible about us, but see how somehow history has repeated itself. So ultimately we should take the principles that we see in the Old and New Testaments and see how they can apply to our lives today. Absolutely. Because I do believe that um, God does, as, as Calvin has said, raise up rulers and put them in place when he wants to judge a nation. And I think it's important, and let me just piggyback off that before we get to, to what you think, uh, Matt. Uh, I, I think it's important that we realize that when it comes to politics, there is really no moral standard. And what I mean by that is you're going to have one candidate say abortion is wrong, but also something completely different that we would go against as well, whether he be a Republican uh, then you may, or a Libertarian even. I, I read uh, where there's, there's a lot of Libertarians that run for office that would say that they, they could care less about abortion because they don't think that the government should have any sort of say or interest in that and reproductive or what women do with their bodies, et cetera. Now that's another story for another time, but even the libertarians, you find some that are, that don't have the, the moral compass that we would like to see a politician run on. And then you have Democrats that would say, Hey, let them have abortions. The majority of them would, um, homosexual agendas. A lot of the things that the Bible calls sin, it doesn't matter if you're a Republican, libertarian, or a Democrat, you're going to find some way to find what they're saying or running on or doing against what God says. So we have to kind of keep that in mind as well. So if you're a conservative or a Republican, then we just can't say, I don't think it would be appropriate to always call out Democrats without looking at our own party as well. Yeah. Or if you're a libertarian, vice versa. Now, I have said this before, and this is a statement that I will stand on. If, I, if you want to rebuke me, feel free. I don't believe you can vote, at least in this time period that we are living in right now, I don't believe you can vote Democrat truly knowing what they stand for and be a true believer in Christ. I think that the, the Democratic platform right now in America as we know it, there is a lot of evil, there is a lot of wickedness, and I think that we can go back to the Bible to see where a lot of that evil and wickedness comes to play. So the question now, we all believe that there is a, a, a level of politics that should be in the pulpit, and you said it shouldn't be every Sunday, and you said it should, you know, as it relates to the Bible, we should be able to pull it out and apply it to our lives. How much do you think is appropriate, Matt, to be in the pulpit? If your every Sunday is talking about politics, I don't think you're following what God wants you to do. You're probably more than likely following your flesh at that point. I don't think that God's going to lead you to talk about politics every single Sunday. Right. I, I don't see how that could be. There's yeah. so much more that needs to be tackled other than politics. Because let's be honest, we're not going to get into heaven through a donkey or an elephant. That's right. That's not what's going to do it. Yeah. Christ is the only thing that's going to do Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that should not be our main concern every single Sunday. Right. We are called to respect authority. Right. Right. That is in the Bible for sure. We are to respect the leaders that God has put into place because God has dominion over everything. Well, before you keep going there, because I think I know where you're heading. I was going for a but. But, yeah. But before you get there, have you got, can you get Romans 13? I've already got it open. Mason does? Do you have it open too? I've got it over here. Yep. All right. Since you started it, why don't you read first seven verses there of Romans Ooh, 13? Hold on. I only had the first three. <laughs> Romans 13. Mason's this is odd. We all got different Bible translations today. What do you have, Mason? I mean, Matt. 
Uh, I've got the ESV, but I can have it changed real quick. No, that's fine. You you read the ESV. Okay. You got your CSB, and I got I my NASB 95 here. Okay. All right. So let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you will also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, and respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. So I think that you were getting into respect our governing authorities, respect our political leaders, but where were you going with your but? God comes first. Right. Over everything. Yeah. And so when we know that someone is doing something opposite of what God would say, we are to follow God first rather than the authorities. Now, that doesn't mean we go and set buildings on fire and, you know, right. repeat January 6th, I guess. But even still, that, I think that got blown out of proportion. But that's a whole different thing. That's a whole different podcast. Um, yeah, we have to respect the authorities that God has put into place because he's put them into place for a reason. But if they do something that goes fully against God's law, we're to follow God first. So an abortion is a hot topic right now. Abortion, we believe, goes against God's law, right? Uh-huh. Are we all Absolutely. in agreement there? Absolutely. So when we talk about abortion, I think what we have to do to be good stewards of the word is because we see, like you said, there are, uh, there are good kings, there's bad kings, there's wicked kings and rulers and people in the Bible that are placed there, and we've just read in, in Romans 13 that God puts them there for whatever reason, and it's for our good. So some of us may say, well, what is this current presidency doing that is my good? Well, if you're a true believer, it's causing you to think, it's causing you to look at the issues that, it, that they are presenting to the American people, and then we as pastors and, and leaders and, and teachers of the word, I think have an obligation to our congregation to let them be aware of the issues that are going on in our world. Absolutely. Right? Now, we don't do it to try to, try to persuade anybody to uh, vote one way or the other. We would always say to vote your conscience, right? Vote whatever... Uh, one of the one of the biggest things that I've heard is vote for the candidate that lines closest to the Bible, right? Because that goes back to what I mentioned earlier. Every candidate is not going to line up perfectly with the Word of God, right? So every candidate has flaws when it comes to a biblical worldview. Um, so you, I've heard line yourself with the candidate that is closest to the Bible. And to do that, I think our people, if they're, because a lot of people, listen, a lot of people are just going to go out and vote for whoever they are told to vote for. Like, yeah. who should I vote for in this election? And somebody's going to say, well, you should vote for X, Y, Z, or you should vote for this person, right? Yeah, and that problem bleeds over into your Christian life, too, because they wait to have the pastor tell them what they need to know instead of actually looking through the Bible themselves and reading and learning right. as well. It, it, We've got a lot of autopilot robot kind of things going on in life right now, Yeah, I, politics especially, but even so, more so in the Christian life. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the politics issue, and correct me if I'm wrong, the politics issue should not be so much as pinpointing a candidate but so much so the policies and what they're for that the Bible is against, that we need to be conveying to our people. Say, hey, this is, these are some of the things that are upcoming. If you vote for the Democratic Party, you don't even have to say their name, right? The Democratic Party, these are the platforms they're running on. They, they are for abortion. They are for the inclusion of LGBTQ in churches. And I think, see, that's, that's where you have to be careful, too. Because I've heard this going around lately. This is why this is a hot-button issue, this politics and things like that, 
is I've heard elections have consequences, right? So let's put let's think about this. The church that is a true church of God, not the denomination church of God, but a true church that where Christ is the head, where pastors are biblical, they're submitting themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the word of God. I think it is important for us to realize then that when the Bible says that homosexuality is an abomination, where homosexuals will not enter the kingdom of heaven in 1 Corinthians unless they're born again, regenerate, saved, whatever word you want to use there, then we have to realize that God is against homosexuality. Now, that doesn't give us the license to go out and hate on those people, to be rude, to be mean. We've talked about that before. But what it does do is we have to be aware that this particular party would say that the LGBTQ people should be included in the church. And then you have to look past just that, right? Because what comes after that? When you don't allow these people to become members because they're homosexuals, then the government gets involved in that. And then all of a sudden you're going to have to turn in your transcripts of what you're going to be teaching and it's going to have to be approved by the state, right? Things like that. That's, that's not, that's not going to be something that's some sort of distant future thing that probably will never happen. This is something that could very well happen because when you think about John Bunyan, who wrote the third best-selling book of all times, The Pilgrim's Progress, he wrote it from jail. A lot of people don't know that he wrote this book from jail, a jail cell. Why? Because he was considered a nonconformist, right? In England, they were going to try to make religion conformed. They were trying to conform it instead of having all these different denominations. They were trying to make it all a conformed thing where they had one book where everybody read from. So the government essentially was putting this book together and says, well, every pastor, minister, teacher has to teach this book. And John Bunyan was a nonconformist. He was not going to conform to what the state said. So what would happen is these nonconformists, which we would be considered nonconformists, we're not going to preach what the culture says. We're not going to preach what the state says. Uh, we're going to preach what God has said. But these preachers and ministers would oftentimes preach from horseback. So when the authorities would come and try to arrest them, they'd giddy up. You know, they'd run off and try to get away from them. Don't you I, I, miss that kind of spirit? Man. And, and it, listen to this one. Now, I don't advocate pregnant women being your barrier, but uh, there was one church where pregnant women surrounded the place and would not let authorities in to arrest the pastor for not conforming to the state's religious religious book or the way it should be taught. Right? But So we, we think that, and this has been said before, that pastors are eventually going to have to submit their sermons to the state and be approved or there's going to be consequences this is not a far-fetched idea when it happened to John Bunyan, who happened to go to prison for being a nonconformist, who just then happened to write the number three all-time best-selling book. It also reminds me of other nonconformists like Paul and Silas and Peter and John. I was about to say, didn't some of the Bible get wrote in jail? Exactly. <laughs> the Bible has, was written in jail. A lot of it was written from a prison cell, and they were not conforming to the religion of the day. So I think it's important that we, we communicate that with people that we are not going to conform to today's religion, which is abortion should be legal, homosexuality should be okay in churches, uh, you should be able to marry them, you should be able to let them be members, you should be able to let them teach, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, social justice should be in the churches, this should be a rally cry. And, and I just, I, this is platform, these are platforms that these political leaders run on so we have to inform our people what's going on now we don't bash political leaders in the pulpit matt you actually taught the other night just recently yeah and and you mentioned i believe you, you how'd you put it we were in ecclesiastes and we were talking about an old foolish king and i said we may be in this situation now and really, in my mind, I was thinking about the recent comments on abortion that he made where he said that, you know, this is a sad day with Roe v. Wade getting turned down because women have lost rights. The right to what? The right to murder? I mean, it's clearly a sin. So I do believe we have an old foolish king in office right now, and I believe that's probably judgment for us as well, that we're falling away from what God has wanted and we're being judged right now. Absolutely. That's just absolutely part of it. Yeah. Let me, let, let, let's, uh, that's a good, I'm glad you said that because 
I'm going to be honest. I don't mind telling people who I voted for. I voted for Donald Trump. No, I'm kidding. And I, I don't mind saying that. Now, was Donald Trump my savior? Absolutely not. Is no. he going to be the savior of the world? Absolutely not. Is he going to be the savior of America? Absolutely not. I honestly question if he's really even a Christian. Like I, he says. And that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. I think Donald Trump was an old foolish king as well. And let me tell you why. Because he he joined with the LGBTQ community as a professing Christian, however, I think that's word of faith stuff. I actually read where he said he doesn't have to ask forgiveness for his sins because he doesn't yeah. sin anymore or something like that. And I'm like, well, how foolish is that? Because that is not biblical. Uh, and, and, and this all goes back to why we need to be people, especially Christians, who vote the one closest to the Bible. Now, was Donald Trump the closest to the Bible? I think all of them were the furthest away from the Bible, right, in my opinion. Um, now, when you get into, like, our, I, I guess, our secular lives, and I don't like that because I think we should push our our spiritual lives should be a part of everyday life regardless of what we're doing. But, I mean, like, when you look at things like gas prices and some of the foreign policies and things like that, some of those things, I think, were better than others. Gas but again, for sure. gas prices for sure. <laughs> Food prices. I mean, Food. but I mean, the one we have in office now, there are a lot of foolish things that are happening and are being done. And we're paying the penalty for that. We are. And that could be God's judgment and indictment on America for continuing to slaughter babies like we have for years and years for uh, getting more wicked sexually. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, when you've got drag queens dancing in front of little kids but you can't read the bible in front of little kids that's 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 morally wrong that's bankrupt yeah so there are a lot of things that are happening that i think is a judgment of god but that we see many foolish kings in the scripture absolutely and i think that when we do say if we say something like we we have a foolish king now that we're seeing I think it would be good to expound on why we are talking about him being foolish. And then I think that foolishness should be brought out only from a biblical standpoint, not because he won't open the Keystone Pipeline or do this or do that, but because he wants to kill babies. He wants to let women kill babies. Like you said, that's where your thought process was. And I know sometimes when we're up there teaching, it's we don't say half the things we want to say sometimes because it's just a, anybody that's never taught in front of people don't understand. But there's a lot of things that I leave on the table that somehow don't get said. And then a lot of things that I do say that aren't in my notes. I just think that we leave it up to the Lord to let him do with what he wills. He said his word won't return void. And you know what else? It's physically taxing. Physically afterwards. taxing. Yes, I mean, it is. It, I mean, it's not like it is draining mentally, emotionally, physically. Well, I mean, when I was done, I was like, yep, it's, it's, uh, it's bedtime. bedtime. I'm ready for this. <laughs> well, the thing was, I think, well, all of us taught, you know, the Knowing the Living God class. We were all at tables. Well, often we would just go do stuff afterwards, but, I mean, all three of us just stood behind the pulpit and taught. It's draining. <laughs> well, not only that, it's because you're convicted. You yeah. should be convicted of everything you're about to teach. You should be already just wore out. Well, yeah. From study, I mean, preparation, and conviction. The yeah. conviction in my life seems like it's more overwhelming than anything. It's like, man. You should have already wrestled with it for 40 hours a week, right? <laughs> yeah, some people do spend 40 hours a week for one sermon. I don't remember who said it, but they said your message should convict you before. And if it does that, it's going to convict everybody in the room. Yes. And, and uh, every Sunday, for the past several Sundays, I've had some people come up and said, my toes are bleeding. That one hurt. I was like, "Hey, I chopped my my foot got chopped off at the ankle. Like it's I'm 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 I was hurt walking into that pulpit." And uh not to say that I'm some I'm not an awesome preacher. I get that, right? I'm not saying that, but that's the word should convict you to be able to distribute it and when it does that, it's taxing. But back to what we're talking about this morning, I don't think that we should stand in pulpits and backhand Presidents, mayors, governors, whatever. I think we should stand in pulpits, pulpits and present the truth. And, I mean, you can make parallels, right? Yes. We, we talked about that. So, I, I mean, the last few presidents we've had have been foolish. Let's face it. Republican, Democrat, whatever, they've all been foolish in areas of a biblical worldview, right? 
So to say, and, and this one just happens to be, man, I think we're reaping more here over over these last couple of years from some of the things that that he's done and, and promoted because you really see the rise in women's rights people. Um, you remember the march several years ago when when uh, what was the one before by, before Trump, Obama, when he was in office? They Obama. W- <laughs> they went to the. <laughs> That's an inside joke. Well, let's be clear. It's not an in like it's. Well, it's it's a sound clip that we like sound to play. clip. Yeah, that there's that, a preacher that we've heard that gets really animated on politics, and we like to play that one to start out and get us all energized for the yeah. show. <laughs> yeah, he screams it's, Obama. It's nothing yeah. about Obama and yeah, us hating Obama for sure. It's really hating on the old indie independent fundamental yeah. fundamental Baptist <laughs> preacher that just wants to bring pulpits into the. I mean, politics into the pulpit constantly. We should in be bringing the, the pulpit way. into the politics. That's right. That's what you did. You just tag. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've talked a lot, but I think it's, <laughs> I think it's, uh, it, it's, it's worth noting that this type of thing from a biblical worldview has to be promoted, especially when you come to it in Scripture. And, again, not to spend a whole... Even if you come to it in Scripture, like if you were to come across Proverbs, uh, let's just say you're teaching through the Proverbs, or you come to this, or something in your sermon leads you back to this. Um, where is it at? Where's it at, y'all? What are you looking for? <laughs> Fear of the Lord's beginning of wisdom. Yeah. No, uh, First one. Hold back those that are going to the slaughter. Oh, yeah. 24, 12, 11. 11. 11. So, say you come to this. Deliver those who are being taken away to death and those who are staggering to slaughter. Hold them back. If you say, see, we did not know this. Does he not consider it who weighs his hearts? And does he not know it who keeps your soul? And, he will, and will he not render to man according to his work? That's why when we go in back to what we said earlier is a lot of people have no clue what these politicians are running on. Well, I'm, I voted Republican because that's what my daddy always voted. Or I voted Democrat because that's what my, what my family's voted for years. You know, I don't, I don't keep up with politics. I just vote. Well, that's when it comes to a biblical perspective. If you're going to vote, I think it's imperative that you keep up with a biblical perspective when they're running on these different issues. So a Christian that goes in that, or a professing Christian that goes in and votes Democrat that wants to kill babies, include LGBTQ in the church and uh, social justice, promote all this, and, 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 and on and on we could go, somebody's failed somewhere. I think if they're not going to learn it on their own, when you come across it in Scripture like this, for instance, verse 12, if you say, see, we did not know this. Well, I didn't know they w- wanted women to be able to kill their babies. Well, when you got to that scripture, I think it's important to say we have political leaders that run on this and want to allow this to happen so much so that they are creating and looking at the idea of two things. One, I read, putting a boat out on the Gulf of Mexico. Oh, man, that's bad. Yeah, where they could go get abortions. And number two, the government putting abortion clinics on federal land in states that have banned it. And and then you say, well, I didn't know they wanted to do that. I didn't know they were that serious about abortion. I don't agree with abortion. I think it's murder. Well, Your you need to pay attention to the issues and biblical issues because every political leader runs off of and even their policies, when it gets down to it, have a lot of biblical leaning in it. Matter of fact, when we think about law, and this is a whole other topic, but when we think about God's law, our normal law of the land is pulled from the law of God, right? That's why I can't walk up and murder Mason without being held accountable. Well, the Bible says do not murder. I just murdered Mason, and the law of the land says, well, now you're going to jail and possibly going to face the death penalty. Well, that law came from the Scriptures. A lot of the laws that we have in our land come from from the the scriptures. Scriptures. So... 
that's almost like when people use the argument for separation of church and state to get rid of church from politics. That wasn't what separation of church and state was about. It was about what you were talking about earlier, one unified religion, and they were going to control and teach that. We were getting away from that. Not that necessarily politics should no longer guide, yeah. be guided by religion and Christianity. They were founded on Christianity. Like you're saying, all these laws and stuff come from the law. You yeah. like witnesses? Hey, so does the Bible. So does God, because he put it there first. Where two or three are gathered. <laughs> Didn't we already talk about this? Yes, we did. That was an older podcast. Oh, hey, we have three gathered here talking about the law. <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let me ask you all this. This is an example of what not to do when it comes to... So how, how, how do we do it? Like, what, is it, what does it look like practically? First of all, let me, let me just tell you what it doesn't look like. Have y'all ever heard of Greg Locke? Heard the name. You've heard of Terry Locke, but Greg Locke. <laughs> is, is that his brother? Yeah. <laughs> I hope not. If it is, then I'm going to get Terry to take me to the next family reunion so I can tell old Greg what I think. Um, but Greg Locke, a quote-unquote pastor, and I'm going to use that for you, those that aren't watching. Uh, I'll do air quotes for those that are. A quote-unquote pastor from, I think it's Mount Juliet, Tennessee. He is, every Sunday nearly, every time he speaks, he talks about the Democrats and how wicked they are. And, I mean, just calls, uh, calls uh, Obama names. He calls Biden names from the pulpit. He just... He said, if you don't like me talking about pulpit or talking about politics, you can leave this church because I'm going to do it. I mean, he's just, he calls them demons. I mean, it's just bad. And it's every time he opens his mouth, it's always talking about something. Yes, he stands against abortion. And I am thankful for that, that, you know, even, even uh, Christians, even if you're not a Christian, you can stand against abortion. Um, because we're created in the image of God, I believe that there is a sense of morality written on our hearts. I think even with the Democrats. I think because we are all created in the image of God, they think this is the idea of justice. That's what they want. They want justice. Now, their view of justice is skewed, it's but they want, they want what they feel is equality for everyone. Except the baby in the Except womb. Except the baby in the womb. Like yeah. I'm saying, some of it's pretty skewed. So I... Let me say that that that's not a way to do it. But I'll, let me just say this: when it comes to politics and abortion, especially, and any other one of these things, um, I was watching a an abolitionist that I, I've never met him personally, but have interacted with him, talked with him some, and a, a great brother in the Lord stands at abortion meals um, regularly. He had posted something about abortion on his Facebook page and. And one of the political leaders in his state, I don't know exactly what he does or what his, what his, what his uh, title was, but he was a political leader. He jumped in on the conversation, and they went back and forth talking and talking, and, and, and my guy that I'm talking about, Matt, he was just super cool and just laid it out there, firm but loving. This guy was a jerk. Like, I've read the Bible more than you have probably. I know more than you about the Bible. But he was like an incrementalist and and uh, didn't want to persecute mothers and fathers who kill their babies and just basically did not understand the scriptures at all. But he finally said, and I don't know if he meant to or not, but I, it's been screenshotted and shared a little now. He finally said, and I'm going to paraphrase this, if we were to do this, meaning a full abolition of abortion and holding men and women accountable because we believe it's murder. And if I kill Mason, if I murder Mason, then I'll be held accountable. So we believe that men and women alike, if they kill their babies, they should be held accountable in some way. What that looks like, we don't know yet. Some do. There's different thoughts about it. But either way, uh, he ultimately said, if we do this, then we will lose votes. And, and it just all of a sudden, ding, 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 there it is. We don't do certain things as politicians because we'll lose the vote of many people. And what does that mean? You go back to your humble abode. You go find another job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So they're, they're running and doing these things, and they won't be biblical because they don't want to lose votes. And as a professing Christian... In politics, that has to be one of the most troubling things I've heard. Because mm -hmm. I don't want to lose votes 
So I'm not going to do what God says. So that's why I think the church needs to be informed of the people they're voting for. Now, that can look, a, a diff, that can look different ways, obviously. That, that could look like a teaching on Wednesday or Sunday evening or any other night of the week or day of the week. But I do think when you come to it in Scripture, and you can make a parallel to it today to help the people understand what this looks like. I mean, I wish I'd have, I do. Um, uh, our brother Philip taught Wednesday night and just did an amazing job. That yeah, was really good. Uh, it was real. Teaching us yeah. about Old and New Testament. Uh, basically, should we unhitch from the Old Testament and why we shouldn't? And uh, he put a link in, or uh, uh, on his slideshow he had, he had a, uh, a link in there or a sheet in there. If this will come up, here it is. Uh, when he did a biblical interpretation class, he said the interpretive value of the Old Testament, and I think this is the interpretive value of, you know, the New Testament as well, the whole Bible. And he says, number one, you look at the original audience, you look at who it was written to, how they would understand the text, and then you look at the culture, language, the time, the situation, the covenant they were under at the time, and then you go across the theological bridge, he said, and then you look to how to apply that in our cities today. So when you look at back at the Old Testament, and we were in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 the other night when you were teaching, it talked about an old foolish king, and you essentially paralleled that with our cities and, and world today, right? Because right. Uh, I believe that a lot of times we are under, you know, politically speaking, under the reign of foolish kings, yeah. because many of them will say one thing, but their policies promote another. Like when Trump says he's a Christian, but then has the LGBTQ flag and signing it and taking pictures with it and being inclusive, the most inclusive president we've ever had is what he was labeled, I think, for a time. So that was foolish too, right? So when we come to things that were written in the scriptures and we can parallel those with today and show how that looks today, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So that's not, so Greg Locke is a really, and even some of the independent fundamental Baptist preachers, you were talking about Tony Hudson. What, what was the quote he said? Man, I don't know if I can do it in the right voice, but you so wrong, you so right, or you so left, you'd vote for Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. That's pretty much what he said. Like, it's, it's a lot of political things, and every time, every sermon he's, he, he teaches, and every time he teaches from the pulpit, there's a lot of the, that kind of language. And I think we're saying that's not the language we want to promote when we do come to it, right? I think when you said we see how that's going now with the, with the old foolish king in our time, right? Um, maybe flesh that out a little more, but let's just face it. This was your first time teaching in front of a crowd that big. We had the largest Sunday night crowd we've had. We went from the faithful 15 to the faithful 40. The faithful 50. There were 50 people there on a Sunday night. 50 people? 50 people. And yes, sir. And you let me go up there? I let you go up there. Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, 50 people, and we didn't even have a meal. Man, these people showed back up, man. It was awesome. And you were we nervous. We did have a meal. A spiritual meal. The spiritual, meal. yeah. We <laughs> ate the meat. Um, your first time really teaching in front of a, a crowd that size. Yeah. Um, and having half the congregation come back for a Sunday night is incredible as well. Absolutely. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> and I, I remember I told you, I said, I don't want to make you more nervous, but there's a lot of people here tonight. And you were like, I oh, know. And I said, and we're not even having a meal. It's not a fourth Sunday. Yeah. Uh, but I thought you did really well. Uh, and if just a, a word of encouragement, you, I could tell you were very prepared. You studied. You put a lot of hard work in there. I went back and listened to the audio again because we did have an interruption. Uh, Debo <laughs> came to the door. We'll leave that for your imaginations. Give me your chain. <laughs> My grandmama gave me that chain. Anyway, uh, I had to go down there and kind of deal with that. So I didn't get to hear all of it live, but I did go back and listen to it, and you were very well prepared. Very, you, you were nervous, which is expected. Everybody's nervous their first time in yeah. front of people. Um, Do you not get nervous your thousandth time? There is, there's a nervousness not, not to speak in front of people, but a nervousness that I'm teaching the Word of God. Yeah. 
like this is a heavy and weighty task and I don't want to. I think a lot of that was the thing with me too. I mean, golly, you don't want to say something stupid and someone be like, Hey, you clearly said in your nervousness, not because you don't know what you're talking about, but it's a whole new thing. It's a whole new thing getting in front of people. It's so different than sitting around a table in Sunday school and teaching and then getting up there behind the pulpit and actually teaching. Well, it's much different in preaching, even being in here talking with you guys. Like we can just talk pretty naturally. You know, we don't have to worry about what's coming up next. Yeah. But I, you know, up there you do up there. It's what you've prepared. It's the word of God. You're expounding on it and you got people looking at you and it's like, Oh, I, it, yeah, this is weighty. Well, you're dealing with souls. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Possibly. Yeah. Well, I know you are. Well, I mean, yeah, you are, but you don't You know. could potentially be dealing with lost souls. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. That's how it worked. Yeah. See? I did it here. Yeah. Oh. So you're dealing with you're dealing with souls that need to be sanctified through the word of God, and you're dealing with lost souls that need to hear the gospel, and that only comes through the preaching and the proclamation of the gospel and the word of God. So, it's a weighty task, man. And uh, James 3, 1 says teachers will be judged more strict than others. And I think that's what makes me more nervous than anything. Because yeah. when you handle this, it's not my words, but what God has already said. If yeah. I mishandle this, well, there's a punishment for yep. that later on. Yep. Man, what if we had to sit back down with God and listen to the sermon that we Ooh, And dude, go over a review. I sit back down with myself and listen to old sermons. and Well, I listen to every sermon, but then I go back to when I first showed up here five years ago. And I'm like, dude, just get to the text. Just preach. Start teaching. And I turn it off because I'm frustrated with myself. I think that shows you've grown. Yeah. You know, you're getting but, better and you know how to do it a little bit. Yeah. But still, it's a weighty task. And, you know, I could get up in front of 3,000 people and talk with no worry. Like, I, I, I'm just, God has given me that ability to do that. But if I get in front of 3,000 people with the word of God, I'm going to be trembling because I'm teaching the word of God. And I want to make sure that I'm teaching that accurately. I want to make sure I'm teaching that in a way that people can understand it, right? And I want to make sure that everybody can take something and be challenged with it. And I pray the Spirit would do its work in people's lives. And part of that is if you come to these things and as they relate to our life now, if it's political, if it's, you know, we we relate things to the family all the time, friendships and Mm -hmm. uh, workplaces, So I think we have to do that with political things as well. And, you know, I said from the pulpit one time, what I believe is that if you vote Democrat and truly know the issues, you can't be a true Christian. I just don't think those two go together. And I'll stand by that. And and you know what? There could have been a Democrat in there that could have never come back to church. But that person was going to hear the gospel that day. Right, I didn't make it about politics. It was the whole sermon wasn't about politics. It it came up. I dealt with it. I said what I said. Moved on. The gospel is presented in every every uh, sermon here. So, you know, if somebody if a Democrat sitting out there and they don't like what I said, or if there's a Democrat listening now that don't like what we're saying, we're wide open. We're open doors. Sit down with us. Call us. Text us. Email us. Why did you say this? Why do you believe this? Why did you do this? And we'll tell you from a biblical perspective why we do what we do and say what we say from the pulpit. But we're not Greg Locks and we're not Tony Hudson's. We're not going to sit there and constantly make it all about politics because it's all about Christ. Yeah, there's a difference between hate speech and the Word of God. Absolutely. We're trying to go to the Word of God. We're not trying to be hateful. Yeah. And you don't have a problem with us. You have a problem with God. Yeah. 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 That's clear as day what it is. Yep. So uh, we we've talked about the polit- politics aspect. Let's let's end this on a lot. Do we have anything else to say about it as far as politics in the pulpit? Anybody want to add any more commentary or thoughts to that? I think sometimes um, I, I was thinking about this over here. I think a lot of Christians would go, well, you know, whatever God wants to happen is going to happen. So I really don't have to go vote or do. That's really taking some liberties with the Word of God. There's, I spoke in my sermon about laziness, and I yeah. believe that falls into laziness. You're not doing what the Word of God has told you to do. You're not educating yourself, and you're not taking your rights to vote and bringing you know, your belief system into that. Just because God's going to do what God's going to do doesn't mean we get to sit back and be on autopilot. Right. We don't just get to come to church and hear the sermon. We have to live it day in and day out. Right. 
I mean, you can you can make an example of that and say, well, I'm you know a single guy says, well, I'm just waiting on God to send me the right girl. Well, that's a mistake. You got to get out there. And, <laughs> yeah, you gonna be waiting an awful long time, right? You got to get out there and and and. This is another episode. I think it'd be good to do one on dating and marriage. Uh, I've always thought it'd be fun for us three who are married to get our wives in here and then the three single guys do an episode. Oh, dear. <laughs> you never know what it could happen. That is true. Mm-mm. Could be fun. Yeah. Um, that's true. That could be fun. <laughs> <laughs> it could be the biggest mistake yeah. we've ever made, too. <laughs> but, you know, I don't want to say you got to get out there and quote-unquote play the field or get out there and look, but you do have to put forth the effort to find a spouse, and, I, and let me say a spouse, because I don't believe that you should date around and treat women like used, like cars and you upgrade every time you don't like, you know, once the one gets old, you find another one to date, then another one to date, and you're just dating around. And I, I think the scriptures teach that if you burn with passion, you get married. You don't date around. I think it points straight, for, uh, First Corinthians points straight to that. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so it's, it, it's kind of like, well, like you're saying, well, God is sovereign. He's going to do whatever he wants to do. I don't even have to vote, or I can just go vote for whoever, and whatever he wants is going to happen. Yes, God is sovereign. He is going to place those people in, but we still have a right and a responsibility, and a responsibility to vote and not just, I mean, if, if we want to just let God, God will do what he's going to do, and he may just be fixing to give us judgment. You know, I, I've been reading, uh, I just finished up, through Genesis and began Exodus and the story of Joseph in the end of Genesis there, uh, the famine in the land, right? And I think, man, right around here, we've had no rain for like 30 days now. Woo. Maybe just a little here and there, but for the most part, we haven't had any rain. Not a good rain. Not a good rain. And There's the farmers are feeling Monday. it. There's a big chance tomorrow. I was saying it's like a 50% chance, isn't it? Anyway, hopefully it does. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's good podcast material. Yeah, <laughs> all of our yards are turning brown. <laughs> the weather um, in Arkansas. <laughs> um, and I just think, man, and all these, I don't know how true all this is, but all the, the food plants that have been burning and stuff like that. Oh, I heard that? about that, the factories and things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how true that is, but God could be bringing a famine on the land. And this is another way where he could or could not, right? I'm not going to be one of those crazy people that go, there's a famine coming, you know, but I told, I told my wife the other day, I said, you know what, after reading through that, it didn't scare me. What are you laughing about? Why are you laughing? I'm thinking about what you said last Sunday in Sunday school. What I, I I say a lot sometimes, you got to remind me what I said. Talking about John MacArthur, talking about missiles. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, (laughs) I leaned over to him and I said, oh, those dispensations, three meals. (laughs) It was a good lesson. Prophecy in the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I've been reading through that, and I told my wife, I said, you know what? And I think this, like you said, God is sovereign. He's going to do what he wants to, whether a famine in the land happens or not. But looking at at Genesis, we have these principles and these things that we can pull from this. And I said, you know what? Joseph told Pharaoh that we need to be taking from the plentiful and putting back for when the famine hits. So I said, man, what if we started... Every so often when we go to the grocery store, getting a few extra canned goods or maybe a bag of rice or something like that to put back in case something does happen. Now, it's the the wisdom to plan ahead. You heard it here first. He's going to go get a Kenneth Copeland food bucket. No. <laughs> <laughs> or is that a Jim Baker food bucket? I thought Kenneth did it, too. He or might he's, have. No, he was selling the, uh, the silver stuff when COVID came out, and it killed COVID. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, so wild. No, but you just look at those principles in the Scripture and say, okay, well, God is sovereign. If he wants a famine to come upon the land, he will. But you may be left without food during that famine. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. But if you're smart, as the principles show us that Joseph did, now, totally different time period, totally different culture culture but the principle is there so it's the same thing with whether it's dating whether it's voting god is sovereign but we have a responsibility to 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 be wise and do so i think we got to get out and vote i think that we've kind of talked about what politics in the pulpit looks like in the grand scheme of things if uh if if, uh the sermon is just for visual reference a foot long and then if there is a political statement made in that sermon, it should be a couple centimeters. 
in light of the whole sermon. Does that make sense? It shouldn't be your whole sermon. Uh Uh-uh. Unless there's been like a huge change in the country and you inform your congregation of something. Right. It should be thus saith the Lord. Right. Uh, well, even in that, even if there's a huge shift in our country, still, we, we Matt said it earlier, that it's God over yeah. everything, right? So we would still preach heavy on the scriptures to show people what God has said. And then from that, I think you make the application that here's what's happened in our land that, yeah. you, that we all need to be aware of. And, you know, that way. I've been sitting on this verse for a few minutes. Can I go ahead and say it? Sure. Acts four eighteen nineteen. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. Mm. And that's where we've got to draw the line. Yeah. Is this something that God would want us to talk about or not? Right. Yeah. Now, I think, again, we can go too heavy on either side, right? If oh, you're yeah. a Republican, you can be, you got to condemn the far right if you're going to condemn the left. Oh, you should start looking at yourself for sure. Well, yeah, that, but you know, that, that alt-right and far-right stuff is that they get into, it's... Oh, kinda, I mean, you can swing real hard either way. Oh, yeah. So I think it's consistency that matters, and consistency in uh, the scriptures is going to be what trumps it all. You said Trump. Oh, I did. Um, you elephant. <laughs> Are you calling me fat? No. <laughs> I'm calling you a Republican. Oh. Uh, conservative. Biblical. Um, <laughs> a biblical conservative. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd love to know what people think on that. But uh, I also want to read this verse, and then we'll end with a little lighter, but on the same kind of um, spectrum. As Christians, you want to share my Bible with me? <laughs> Do you need glasses or you want to just lean in? No. You are both wearing blue. We are, aren't we? I just noticed that on the camera. And I'm sorry for all these weird camera angles I'm doing. I'm kind of learning this system and running audio at the same time since Joe's not here. That's okay. We miss you, Joe. We do. You're doing a good job, Matt. I think. I can't see anything you're doing. So. <laughs> well, some people may get motion sick. Uh-oh. Uh, I think this is what we need to be... As Christians, we need to believe this. We need to write this on our hearts. I think we should memorize these verses. Uh, but First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says this. First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. And then he goes in verse 2. For kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So let me... Let me uh, expound on that pray for joe biden pray for kamala harris pray for chuck schumer nancy pelosi pray for uh, who's our governor asa hudson until the new ones voted in whoever that may be and then pray for that governor pray for if you're in jonesboro mayor copenhaver we may disagree we may agree with their stances on all from from the top down Pray for your sheriffs, your police chiefs, your police officers. Pray for these people. Not that God would kick their teeth in. We can. God judge these people. Call it, break them so they will repent. We can pray that prayer. That's what we need to be praying more is that they are saved. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right? Because that's what's going to change. That's what changes. Yeah. Um, so pray that they're saved and they would repent, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray for them and their work and all of those things. And, and when needed, bring it up in the pulpit. Again, like I said, if your sermon's a foot long and you get to a, a point, two centimeters, right? So that's that. And as we close, we started talking about the, the festivals in the churches for per, patriotic days. What do you guys think about American flags all throughout the church and having specific days geared toward your country on the Lord's Day? That could be a whole another 30 minutes, but... Well, I was about to say, that could be a form of idol worship. Yeah, I was about to say, you're getting to idolatry, yeah. and you're focusing on your country rather than God, who deserves all worship. Yeah. I know there are some that say, why can't I be proud to live in the USA? I mean, listen, I am grateful to be living here. It's just a great place to live, but at the same time, what about the believers that are living in communist China right now? Would they see us as being prideful? Maybe boastful? I would. I could see that. Because we, we haven't experienced that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, these Christians are getting their faces bashed in, literally, for believing on Christ. 
there are people that are being murdered and martyred for their faith in Christ. And we're over here saying, well, I'm proud to be an American. There it is. I'm proud. proud. Oh, I've never really thought about and analyzed that. To be an American. I'm proud. What goes before destruction? Pride. 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 I'm proud in Christ because he has saved me. I'm going to boast in Christ. That's why the Bible teaches we boast in Christ. Now, being thankful you live here, yes, I am thankful. I'm humbled to be able to. That's what it should be. I'm humbled to be an American, in my opinion, from a biblical worldview. I'm humbled because I could have been born in China. Where they're not even allowed to have. Where they're not even allowed to have the Bible, and you're getting your face punched, and you're getting tortured we could be born in any of these places. We could have been born in North Korea, right? But in God's providence, we have been born here. And I think really, if we were to drill down into this, and I said we were going to end on a lighter note, this is more heavy, it seems like. I think if we were to drill down into this, we have put so much pride in being free and being Americans that it's caused our biblical knowledge and our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ to falter. Yeah. We're more proud to be an American than proud to be a Christian. Than proud to be a Christian. And we exalt these things over that. We almost have too many choices and too many freedoms here. Yep. That's a strange thought. Think about those those in China that can't have a physical copy of the Bible. You know what's a shame though? Most of them know more scripture. Yeah. Than most American Christians. I think I got five Bibles on one of my bookshelves in my office that I rotate every day and read from, teach from, preach from, whatever. Different versions, and then you got people over there being beaten for having it. Because I know I was watching a video one time with this preacher. He had went to China, and he said, turn with me to Second Peter. And one lady read the entire first chapter of Second Peter without even having it in front of her. Wow. That shows you, because what they'll do is they'll sneak in pieces of paper with scripture on them yeah but it gets taken away by the rulers and leaders real quickly so they have to sit there and memorize as quick as they can so they can have a sermon for the underground church Mm. and they're treasuring up and storing in their heart which is exactly Exactly. what God says to do yep and here we are there are four bibles laying on this table nobody's gonna come in here and take them right nope Nobody's busting in people's back glass when they see them laying on their dash or their back dash and take it. That's the one thing they'll leave, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is a good way to say we need to stop bringing the culture into the church, whether that be politically, um, socially, socially, et cetera, and take the church to the culture, take the word of God to the culture. And when we do bring it, this culture or political thing, ideas into the pulpit, we conform it to the word and then send it back out to the people from the word, right? So uh, that got a little heavy, but what do you think? So American flags all in your church building could be an, an idol. Um, what about doing the Pledge of Allegiance and singing Oh Say Can You See on the Lord's Day? Who are you worshiping with those songs? A lot of people would say they're worshiping God and thanking him for being born in America. But then again, we just talked about how that could look like boasting and being prideful and arrogant, especially to people in other countries. So it's really hard to say. What has God called us to do on the Lord's Day? He has called us to gather, to worship him, to sing truth about and to him to pray to give to preach the word of god thank him for all the blessings we've had though to pray together encourage one another thank him for the blessing i mean yeah we can do that thank you god and your providence you've caused us to be born here i think it's like everything else you've got to know your intent and your yeah motive for doing what you're doing but what about making a a whole a whole a whole Sunday, Lord's Day, starting I mean, with the Star Spangled Banner, from all the political songs to a political message. I think that's pushing it at that point. I think you're yeah. idolatry at that point. Yeah. yeah, you start putting golden eagles up there and things like that. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't seen a golden eagle in the church, but I'm just saying. Right. 
Yeah, it can quickly become an idol. Oh, yeah. That's why, personally, and, and, and listen, I do not call my brothers that do this in sin. I, so if you're listening to this, please hear me say. I've that's put between, the camera on you. That's, okay, go for it. <laughs> that's between you and the Lord, what you do. Uh, I'm not saying you're in sin. I'm not saying you're not, whatever. Uh, but for me, I would just assume not even have an American flag or a Christian flag in the building. Because pulpits were made to exalt the word of God. Absolutely. And then a lot of times in the past, these pulpits were so large that all you would see is men's hands kind of resting up on it. You wouldn't even see them. And they would expound on the word of God because that's what we come to the church around is the word of God so that we can worship the one true God. So the pulpits were even made for this to place the word over the congregation because that's what it is supposed to do. So that's my conviction is I would rather not even have any kind of flags in the church. I just want the Bible to be preached. Absolutely. So, uh, and, and anything else is between them and God, whoever does the, the big shebangs during the Lord's day. Now go out and shoot fireworks, have a dinner and sing old star spangled banner afterwards together at a potluck. Do it. I'm all for that. You know what I mean? Uh, Be a Baptist. But the Lord's Day. <laughs> Go shoot those Chinese fireworks for America. Yeah. That's so funny to Put me. that money in their pockets. <laughs> but anyway, that's kind of, what are we at, like an hour now? Man, we really had a good one here. Yeah, we did. It's about an hour and two minutes so wow. far. Wow. Longest one we've had in a while. Uh, it feels fun to do these long format ones again. Yeah, it really does. Because sometimes we get constricted and try and keep it down. Yeah. I feel like we leave stuff out. And I think natural conversation, we get more out of it and we yeah. expound on each other's points. Agreed. Yeah. So if you like these longer formats, let us know. Let us know anything. Send yeah. us an email, comment. We're hearing crickets sometimes. Lots of times. Let's be honest, all the time. We're hearing crickets all the time. Send us something. Let us know if you're listening. Let us know if you like this stuff. Subscribe on YouTube. We know Miss Debbie's watching. We do know Miss Debbie's watching. Absolutely. We love Miss Debbie. Yes, we do. What a what a beautiful picture of a saint. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like obviously we're not fully saints, but sinners and saints simultaneously. What a beautiful picture of service. Man, I love that woman. <laughs> and she is one of the most honest people. Yes. Oh, yeah, she is. And she talks about her struggles and she she just she does exactly what she's supposed to do. Now, she's still a sinner. Yeah. We all are. Yeah. But but we thank Miss Debbie. She absolutely. is awesome. We are thankful for her at this church. We need more more people like her. Specifically when we had thousands of people show up for our uh, fall festival last year, she went down the line talking to everybody, just smiling. She was so wore out. But, man, she she served. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know this isn't the Miss Debbie show, but and she's probably like, I'm, I'm not listening now, <laughs> knowing her. She doesn't want. But we are thankful for Miss Debbie that is faithfully listening to this show and, and uh, just the faithfulness of, of her and the church and, and what she does. Uh, we've got many people like that in our church, and we're thankful. We're blessed to have those yeah. people. And, uh, Hi, Mom. <laughs> She's also watching. Yeah, she watches too. She watches yeah. all the time. We just don't get to see her face-to-face. She, she watches... likes everybody else but me. Uh, She's giving compliments on every single other person but me. She's kind of like us then. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like being with family. I'm just Jamie, right? Yep, Miss Jamie? That's, that's her. Yeah, Miss Jamie, we thank you for listening too. My mama don't listen. Is she working on a sequel to Hebrews or something? <laughs> Chapter 14, baby. <laughs> Woo! All right. Well, any other final thoughts before we dismiss? Dismiss. <laughs> and we're going to sing the doxology and we'll be dismissed. We're in Sunday school. <laughs> Anything else? Praise God. <laughs> That's pretty oh, good. say can you see. And I'm proud to be an American. <laughs> All right, y'all. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, if you agree, disagree. If you're watching, if you want us to shut up, <laughs> keep going, et cetera, et cetera. Depends on your reason if you want us to shut up. Yeah, that's true. Buy a shirt. Yes. <laughs> Buy a shirt. Buy the Biggie Cheese shirt. Yeah. I, I wish my people one would come in. Or the, yeah, I know. Or the Christian Foundry podcast shirt. Just the t- standard logo there. Uh, this money is not going into our pockets at all. No. We want to put this back into the ministry. 
And uh, I was broke before, and I'm still broke. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we're relying on this podcast to make money, we're a we're long in ways trouble. <laughs> and if we're doing it specifically for money, we probably need to rethink our motives or fame or anything because we ain't getting yeah. there. Ain't no getting that. Time quick. <laughs> only but you know what? We've lasted longer than most new podcasts ever. That's true. They only go what five, seven episodes, I think. Yeah, and then they and call what it is quit. this? Is this this is in 26? the twenties? In the latter twenties, twenty-eight, twenty-nine, thirty something. Yeah, man, we're going to turn fifty soon. Yeah, like, but all of the proceeds from this these merchandise sales right they go back, back into, into the ministry whether it be this ministry or into somebody's life that needs something um this is not about us we just want to put biblical content in your ears and we hope that we are doing that and um which we aren't doing this for fame the only thing anybody's ever asked me about on this show was if y'all auto-tuned my laugh really, really? Yeah. someone asked that yes no no, it's not auto tune. No, that's that's a pure laugh. That's natural. Absolutely, that is pure. Yeah. You want me to tell you where? Okay, so it's a funny story. Well, huh? I love funny stories. Let me put it on you real quick. There we go. <laughs> so, does anybody know? I'm sure. Well, I'm gonna catch some heat for this. Anybody know the band Kiss? Well, no. <laughs> yes. Okay, so Ace Freely, back in my unregenerate days, he was one of my favorite guitar players. If you've ever heard him laugh. It's close to that. He laughs really funny. And at work, I used to try and mimic his laugh. Is that right? And it used to, and then it just caught on with how I laugh now. Huh. So it's actually that high most of the time. <laughs> I thought a door was opening. I thought the hinges were squeaking on a door. That's such a cool instrument. It is. I'm I can't for, believe I've left it up here so long and not played with it. I'm waiting for you to play it on stage one day. I think the day that happens is the day I'm asked to leave. <laughs> Worship All right. asked you to. <laughs> it is time to go. Um, we've lost control. As <laughs> so always, repent and, and believe, believe the, the gospel. gospel.